Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Well, should I just do the benediction? Uh, thank you, Kurt. That was awesome. He shared with me that with me at work one day. Um, it was, uh, and I just thought, well, that'd be good for all of us to hear. And it ties in well with uh, Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah encounters God. And that's what I'd like to talk about this morning. Um, we want to look at the condition of the people that Isaiah was prophesying to and, uh, and see this supernatural happening where Isaiah gets to see God. <clears throat> so Isaiah was kind of the, the prophet. Uh, he was quoted a lot in the New, New Testament. Uh, Jesus quoted him, others. Uh, he lived about 700 years before Jesus, ministered then. So it's a ways before... Uh, it's a ways before Jesus comes. And the culture was in rough shape. The people were in, in rough shape. And Isaiah spoke for God. He confronted people with God's word. So when Isaiah spoke, he was speaking from, for God and from God. And the first five chapters uh, pretty much talk about the sin and disobedience that was just rampant in the culture. There's idolatry. People trusted in their possessions. They were faithless. They denied justice for the poor. Corruption was widespread. People were stiff-necked, unwilling to repent. So, 2,700 years ago, the culture, you know, we've had 2,700 years to get better, and we really haven't. Same problems we have now. It's just that we're better equipped to hurt more people at one time. Um, so people are people. But maybe the worst thing was that the spiritual leaders of that time were all doing the same stuff, and they were misleading people. They led the people astray. And what we find out as we look at the warnings uh, that God gives through Isaiah is that when people deny God, it is to their ruin. Is that true? When people deny God, disobey God, it always leads to their ruin. As a matter of fact, God, um, and now, so I'm just selecting a couple little short scriptures. Um, I actually guess I could take as much as I want because the clock is stuck on 1110. <laughs> and it's been that way since I stepped up here. So I don't know if this is a time warp or what, but Jeff, make sure I don't. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> okay. Um, here's what the Lord says through Isaiah. This is Isaiah chapter 5. Verse 24, it's the second part of uh, 24, down through 
Isaiah 5, verse 30. For the people have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the Lord's anger burns against his people. His hand is raised and he strikes them down. The mountains shake. The dead bodies are like refuse in the streets. Yet for all, this is so frightening to me, this phrase. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. The wrath of God is, if we should be afraid of anything, we should be afraid of the wrath of God if we're in a position to incur it. He lifts up a banner for the distant nations. He whistles for those at the ends of the earth. Here they come swiftly and speedily. Not one of them grows tired or stumbles. Not one slumbers or sleeps. Not a belt is loosened at the waist. Not a sandal thong is broken. Their arrows are sharp. All their bows are strong. Now this is the people that are coming to wipe out God's people. This is, you know, this is impending doom. <clears throat> their horses' hooves seem like flint, their chariot wheels like a whirlwind. Their roar is like that of the lion. They roar like young lions. They growl as they seize their prey and carry it off with no one to rescue. When people deny God, there is no one left to rescue them. In that day, they will roar over it like the roaring of the sea. And if one looks at the land, he will see darkness and distress. Even the light will be darkened by the clouds. Destruction follows disobedience. There's no way around it. But God also invited people to come back. He consistently invites the nation to turn from their ways. And I love the way he says it in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Let's talk about this thing, right? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel... You will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, we, we live in a time, and, I, and I, really it's probably any time in history, that truth seems to be a relevant thing. Whatever you believe is okay, is true, is true, and whatever I believe is true, is true. But that's not true. 
The word of the Lord establishes truth. There is no truth apart from the word of the Lord. And when, he, when we end this thing with, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken, what that means is you can bet your life on it. That's true. If you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. So Isaiah, as we go to Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is surrounded by sin, disobedience, darkness. The culture is just a mess. And Isaiah was from, as best as uh, I could find out, he was uh, an aristocrat. He was from, a, you know, he was kind of a high-level person. Um, he may have even been some distant relative to uh, the king, Uzziah. Um, he was married to a prophetess, but he was a prophet for God. He wasn't too well liked after he started telling everybody what was going to come, but he was working for the Lord. Well, then, all through those first chapters, he is prophesying for God. He's telling the people what God has to say, and he's bringing truth. And then in chapter 6, in the midst of all this, this is where we want to focus Chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook the temple, shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Now, One really big problem is to try to take this supernatural happening and put it in English, right? <laughs> um, so as, as we look at this, 
we're going to try to draw out some, some things. We're certainly not going to be able to get everything out of this that is in this. Isaiah is a tremendous book, and um, the more that you dig, the more obviously you find. Um, but there's kind of three things I'd like for us to focus on out of this right now. And um, <clears throat> that is Isaiah's vision, Isaiah's condition, and Isaiah's response. So let's look at verse 1, Isaiah's vision. <clears throat> In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. It's just two sentences, but it, it, but it explains what Isaiah is seeing in his vision. And when we try to imagine what that may be, we want to remember that the temple was not just a small place, it was huge. The train of God's robe filled the temple. Isaiah has an unobstructed view of the king. He is, he is living in a land of sin and disobedience, and he has a vision, and he sees the king. He sees his power, he sees his glory, he sees his majesty, God seated on the throne. His vision is a stark difference to what he's been living. And then in verse uh, 2, he sees uh, heavenly beings. A, a seraph, uh, I, uh, I looked this up and I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but this is the definition that I found of a, of a seraph. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but... Uh, Seraphs were a type of angel whose name is derived from the word burn, indicating their purity as God's ministers. How many times does, God, does the Bible talk about fire as a purifier? A lot. Old Testament, New Testament. God uses fire a lot. Their name derives from the word burn. They are pure and holy as ministers of God. And yet, when they were worshiping, they covered their face and they covered their feet. They didn't have sin like humanity. It's the holiness, this picture of holiness that is so difficult to comprehend. It's the real worship of God, okay? So we're, we're seeing... You know, we worship God, but here's a, a view into the heavenly worship of God. Heaven on, uh, God on his throne. And then in verses 3 and 4, <clears throat> 3 and 4, <coughs> Isaiah now hears... <clears throat> What the seraphs are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
I want to stop with that just a second and, and consider Isaiah has been warning people and the earth doesn't seem full of God's glory at that time. If we look around now, it would be easy for us to kind of focus and dwell on the hard things, the negative things, the sinful things we see, kind of this darkness that can envelop us. And if we're not careful, we kind of will get stuck in that. But Isaiah now is confronted with the seraphs worshiping God. And the seraphs make a statement that the whole earth is full of his glory. This is a perspective thing. Kirk, this is one of the things, you, you know, you had said, I just really feel like God is going to do something. He's, there's this hope that isn't just, uh, gee, I hope, you know, the Steelers win. To, I mean, well, forget that. But, uh, you know, this, it's, it's the hope that's based in the truth of God. And if we can look at the earth, okay, at our culture, from the perspective of this worship in heaven, the whole earth is full of the glory of God. The beauty of nature, new birth, rebirth, the church. Think about how beautiful it is that there's a family of believers that we can be part of, that care for each other and love each other. That's the kingdom at work. We're, we're aliens and strangers here, right? Our, our kingdom is another kingdom. And, but our perspective, we have to consider what we're looking at and what we're living in. So Isaiah is confronted with this. He sees, and the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So now we've got extremely loud praise. We've got kind of earthquake kind of stuff going on. There is this raw power at work, this unmanageable energy of heaven. And there is Isaiah, a good guy who's been working for the Lord, who's been preaching who I'm sure has felt like he was living a good life. And what's he say? He sees this. He really sees God. And he says, woe to me. <clears throat> I am ruined. I have a man, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people <clears throat> of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Basically what he's saying is, I'm dead, right? Because I have seen God, and no one sees God and lives. He's come up and seen this vision of purity, of holiness, of majesty. He gets a glimpse of really who God is, and the first thing he sees is who he is. His own sin, his people's sin. 
When we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. And sometimes that's not uh, what we want to do. Sometimes that's pretty hard. So, I thought it strange when he used the term, I'm a man of unclean lips, because he's been speaking for God. And this whole idea of, of speaking, it's, it's not just in this account. If, if uh, I'll just read this real quickly. Luke 6.45, <clears throat> Jesus is teaching about fruit in people's lives. Well, let me read 43. He says, no, this is Jesus, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. This idea of speaking, uh, <clears throat> what we say is, is, uh, is important. But Isaiah now is in this condition where he recognizes his sin. You know, to really understand our own sin... I believe it's actually a gift from God. I don't think that we really understand how God sees us until he helps us see ourselves for who we truly are. And I also believe that God helps us repent. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really sure that we're able to do that on our own, but I really do believe that we don't see ourselves until God has has helped us see ourselves, and we don't know to turn to him until he helps us turn to him. <clears throat> so Isaiah's in a bad way, and he knows he's in a bad way, and he knows his people are in a bad way. And then, verse 6, he says, Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. The fire of God, right, touches Isaiah. He's cleansed. His, his guilt is atoned for. His sin is atoned for. His guilt is gone. He is free <laughs> of the burden of his own sin. And it changes everything in his life. Because now he's aware of who he is and he also knows that he's free 
When we become aware of who we are and then we become forgiven, we're forgiven by God, we become free to live as God wants us to live. In verse 8, he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. I just think it's interesting, there are some things that he did not say that I think would be natural things to say. He didn't say, okay, where, where, where's this, where are we going? Like, what are we gonna do? Um, how am I gonna live? Is this going to hurt? <laughs> right? Because a lot of prophets didn't have a very uh, pleasant life. Um, there's a lot of things that Isaiah didn't say because he no longer was considering himself first. He'd seen the vision of God. He'd been confronted with the holiness of God. He'd been forgiven and atoned for, and he is ready to go. And it's almost like after verse uh, 7, when his guilt is atoned for, can't you, you just sort of see that he's like ready? Like now, now what? I, I, I wanted to do a little, uh, a little picture of that, and I thought about different sayings, you know, that people have. So, this, so Isaiah says, uh, here am I, send me. We have, you know, the Nike commercial, uh, Just Do It. Uh, we had that fateful day back uh, decades, two decades ago that, uh, um, you know, let's roll. They're going to take over the plane. Um, but then I thought about, well, you know, you've got this uh, on your mark, get set, and waiting for the gun for go. So I thought maybe I'd get a couple starter blocks, a couple blocks up here and get Jeff and I up here like we're going to race. So you guys, you know, so it would be a picture. And then I thought, well, I don't know if either of us could get back up. Like if we did that, Jeff, I don't know if you could. I'm thinking that would be pretty bad if, you know, like people had to come help us get up. So we're not doing that. But you get the picture. Ready for the race. Ready to go. God says go. Boom. Go. We don't. Isaiah is not hesitating. He's not, he's not asking a bunch of questions. He just goes. And, and without going into it, uh, <laughs> he doesn't get to go give happy news right off. Verse 9, uh, God said, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused and make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they may turn. They may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Tough, tough scripture to understand. But not a, Isaiah didn't get to go, hey, party. I mean, this is like he's sent in to uh, continue to confront people with the word of God. So he has the vision of heaven. He has the vision of real worship. Because of that, he sees his own condition. 
And even though he's a good guy, uh, working for the Lord, he, he, he realizes when that holiness, that light of the Lord, that fire of the Lord, you know, when that comes, whew, there's just stuff in there that's got to go. And it's hard to look at and it's hard to think about, but when God confronts us, we see ourselves for who we are, and there's just stuff that has to go. And then his response is immediate. Here am I, send me. So our vision, our condition, our response, are we seeking God? Are we seeking his presence? You know, it's kind of a scary thing to really think, because, you know, we pray God, you know, we'll say things that really aren't biblical, like God show up in the service. God's here. He doesn't, you know, we're, we're just visiting. Um, but we want God to come in his fullness and his presence, and yet it would be quite frightening uh, in this kind of a situation. But we want to get close to God. We want to see his presence. We want to, uh, to have him intimate with us. Our condition is no one knows my condition but God and me. And sometimes I'm not sure I do. I really do think that we're, like, I know that I am. I, I, like, I don't even, he'll, he'll tell me, point out things in it with, through Scripture, through a word. It's kind of like, man, I've been, that's a 20-year-old issue, and I didn't even know it, was you know it was a bad deal. I didn't know I had to get rid of that. But when the light of God comes, when that fire burns, our condition becomes apparent to us, just like it's always apparent to him. And then what's our response? Are we ready to say, here am I, send me? Are we ready to say, God, it's yours, I'll give it to you? Are we ready to accept the coal from the fire to purify us, to atone for us? The greatest, the greatest thing in life, right? To be forgiven for those shackles to come off, for that weight that we bear to be gone. So I want to encourage us, uh, <clears throat> in a, so I just want to try to bring it down just a little bit to a, a, a kind of a day-by-day -day thing. When we're out and about, <laughs> you know, we're going to see situations that need the touch of God in them. Just say to yourself, here am I, send me. Lord, if you, you know, this is something for me, send me. Be aware of what's going on. Be aware of what God is doing. The kingdom of God has not been upended by a disease or by disobedience of people or by wars or famines. It hasn't shaken the kingdom of God. The whole earth is full of his glory. He's at work. Our job is to see where he's working and get involved with him. And just 
be willing to say, here am I, send me. No other questions? <laughs> Scary, you know? Uh, no conditions? Here am I, send me. Well, I would like to uh, just, I'm going to, actually that's kind of the end of the little message, but the, uh, <clears throat> to, to close the service, the benediction, if you will, is, uh, is in Colossians. And it's Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And I would like to read this as the benediction, and then I'll just, uh, just pray for us as we uh, leave. This says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's our benediction. That's our challenge. That's, those are the things that we say to the Lord, here am I, send me. I want to live this way, and I don't want to be hung up with all these distractions. So if you would, let's, uh, let's stand and, um, and I'll pray, and we will be uh, dismissed. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word, that your word is true. <clears throat> and we pray for the courage to seek you wholeheartedly and to allow you to send us. Thank you for this family of believers, Lord. You are so good. Your kingdom is so beautiful. And we just praise you for your love. In your name, Jesus. Amen. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.